This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 629. Welcome in. Oh man, it has been a. I, I can't I can't contain myself. I have to speak the way I normally speak as a human when I'm at work, when I'm with my friends. It's been a fucking day, dude. It's been a wild week. Uh, it's Tuesday night, 9.14 p.m. Uh, I've had a day, I, long day at work, solving HVAC problems all day, making people happy, reprogramming stats and putting in a furnace and an air handler. It's been, uh, actually, it was an air handler, not a furnace. Let's be very clear on that with a heat pump. You guys don't care about HVAC world, though, stuff. It's the fact that I know as many things I, as I know about HVAC always like baffles me because I, I don't actually care. It's just for my job. And I know like so many facts about how air conditioning units and furnaces and heat pumps work. And it's like, <laughs> I never, ever thought in my life I would know this information, but it is what it is. You got to do it for your job. So long day at work. My truck was in the shop. Had to pick up my truck after work. Uh, my truck was stuck in four-wheel drive for a week. I couldn't get into the shop before then. Had to go to the dealership, and the only way to solve it was they. It, it, took, it cost thirty bucks, which is kind of ridiculous. Probably should have done it for free, but the dealer has a special computer code they put in that fixes the transmission. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I hate electronic transmissions. I wish it was a you know actual mechanical transmission where I could have solved the problem myself by throwing it in reverse and backing up really fast. But no, no, we're in the world of electronic gearboxes um also after picking up my truck i went to a meeting for high school referees i'm going to become a high school football ref i can't coach high school football i don't have time to do five days a week after work i just i got too much going on i get off work too late i'm too busy but i can do once a week referee a high school football game and that's going to be a whole interesting world like i'm 26 everyone else was like 45 to 65 basically kind of like the trades like in my job in the trades world there's no young people and i guess in refereeing there's no young people either young people just i don't know what the fuck they're doing they're not doing a lot for society they're i i don't i don't know they're they're making youtube videos or something which you know hey we hate we we hate youtubers who would make youtube videos um anyway it's going to be really interesting to become a ref where i'm looking at the game i think from a different lens than ever before like you know Like even the way referees talk about each other, a call will be close and they're always ready to side with the refs. And it's just a a whole different culture that's going to really, I think, change the way I I view football. I think in a healthy way, like giving another alternate perspective on top of the other perspectives I already have, which will be interesting and fun. I hope your life is good, man. Episode 629. Let's jump in. I got to tell you about today's sponsor. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Price Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections, and in 60 seconds, you could enter something like Lamar Jackson throwing for over 250 yards, Debo Samuel having more than 100 yards receiving, and maybe Brock Purdy throwing more than two interceptions. If your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes watching games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. Price Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay and... They have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday where each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. 
So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS. Use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash CLNS. Code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks. Daily fantasy made easy. All right, let's talk about what happened this past weekend in the NFC Championship game. The San Francisco 49ers beat the Detroit Lions in San Francisco, Santa Clara, California, whatever you want to call it, the Bay Area. The 49ers beat Detroit 34 to 31. And in the AFC Championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Ravens 17 to 10. I I want you to, I very intentionally just told you what happened so that anyone who skipped the ad went, oh crap, he's talking about football. I got to go back. But I want to be very clear about this. Before we get any farther ahead, Hey, guys, I love you. Uh, Next week with Patreon questions. The entire episode next week is going to be centered around the fanfare of the Super Bowl, how we watch the Super Bowl, what we look forward to in the Super Bowl, the the best experience you watch with lots of people, what kind of snacks do you have? Literally, the, the central focus, the main topic of next week's show is going to be how you like the the enjoyment of watching the game and all of these things that go in behind the scenes to do that. And we'll answer Patreon questions, talk about whatever news breaks. There will be news, I am sure. Um, but I, I, I want to say this now with Patreon questions next week. I, when I put up the post and say, hey, write in with questions on Patreon. Send me lots of Super Bowl-related questions. And it can be about the game if you want. We'll talk, we should talk lots about the 49ers playing Kansas City. Of course, right? We'll do predictions and all kinds of stuff. But I really want questions about, like, your favorite snacks and how you watch the game. And in fact, tell me, I would like to hear your plan. Like, how are you planning to watch a game? Who are you watching with? What's your setup? What kind of snacks are you going to have? Who's allowed in the room? Who's not allowed in the room? There's always that one annoying guy who yells way too loud and says lots of stuff that has nothing to do with football. And you're like, I cannot fucking watch a football game with that guy. I want to jump off a bridge. Like, tell me about your experience, your plan, what you do. I want to hear about that for next week's show. Now, Let's jump back into football. Let's talk about, let's start with the AFC title game, uh, a game that I found really, really disappointing. Um, I know that, like, I, th- there's all these memes going around the, the the football world that everyone wanted Detroit and Baltimore to win. No one wanted to see Kansas City against the 49ers. That is the Super Bowl we got instead. So the two teams everyone in America was rooting for did not, in fact, win uh, and we get kind of the the worst, the worst possible Super Bowl matchup between the 49ers and the Chiefs. But beyond that, I, I really I really thought Lamar Jackson was going to show up in the AFC title game and put on a show. I, I really thought like, hey, you've got what, what I expected from the AFC title game was we've got the best quarterback on the planet, Patrick Mahomes, against Lamar Jackson, who I was considering like the second best quarterback on the planet. Oh, and the number two quarterback, Lamar Jackson, also has a much better football team. So I thought it was the Ravens game to lose. I thought they were going to be outstanding, play great football. It didn't happen. Uh, they they didn't play great. Kansas City led by a lot. Um, it was, I don't know how to explain this properly. Like, I, I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for Baltimore to do something about the lead Kansas City had. And it never happened. I was waiting and waiting basically all night, and uh, 
I found it really frustrating. Lamar Jackson had two turnovers, a fumble, and an interception. He was 20 for 37 passing at 272 yards, which isn't a bad amount of yards, but yards aren't everything. Had a touchdown, eight carries for 54 yards, but the fumble and the interception were killer. In the second half, when Baltimore needed to make a play, they couldn't. I, I just... I was really disappointed by Lamar Jackson. Um, I thought the Ravens didn't show up to their best. And uh, I I just, I so much didn't expect that. I really, really thought we were going to get an amazing, outstanding football game. It wasn't a bad game, I guess. It was 17 to 10. But really, the truth is that Casey just felt like they had a massive lead the entire time. When you look back, it was really like 17 to 7. But it was wildly disappointing to me. And, uh, I, I felt really sad. I, I just, uh, I think one of the big problems, Lamar Jackson really struggled to beat the Blitz, whether that was, there was a lot of factors there. Some of it was the game plan. Some of it is on third and nine. You you can't throw a shallow crosser for two yards. So like you can beat the Blitz with a two yard pass, but that gets you nowhere on third and nine when you need nine yards, not two. Um, there were lots of little things. And I, I walked away from this game, the AFC title game. First of all, I went in, like I said, expecting Baltimore to win by a lot, like really comfortably win uh, or or just be the much better team and maybe eke out a tough win. But I did not expect Kansas City to have again. It was it wasn't the biggest lead. 17 to seven isn't 34 to 10. It's not even what like what it was 24 seven at halftime in the Detroit game. It wasn't a crazy blowout, but emotionally it felt like one. And it felt like Kansas City just had this oppressive lead all day over Baltimore. They started up seven, nothing uh, by halftime. They're up 17 to seven. And it took basically the entire game until the very end with like two minutes left before Baltimore scored again and made it 17 to 10. And so, like I said, I expected Baltimore to show up. They really didn't, but you could also argue what actually happened was Kansas city's defense was outstanding. I think it's very possible that what happens in the super bowl is Kansas city's defense shows up. We've, we've seen Brock Purdy and the 49ers really struggle. They played a really ugly game. They barely beat the Packers for, the entire first half against Detroit, the 49ers were also getting their butts kicked. I really, really think it's possible, if not even likely, that Kansas City wins the Super Bowl in two weeks, and it's because their defense might make Brock Purdy struggle. And if you can shut down Lamar Jackson, shutdown's the wrong word there, but if you can take a superstar like Lamar Jackson and make him look mundane, boring, unexciting, uh, really limit his abilities— how is it not more believable that they go into the Super Bowl against Brock Purdy and make him look average, who I think is a much more literally average quarterback than Lamar Jackson? Um, I don't know. I, I should know this. I don't. I, I'm not into the gambling world. I would imagine Kansas City is the favorite to win the Super Bowl, uh, but I could see it going the other way because people love the 49ers roster. But that defense Kansas City has really, really scares me. And I, I think I walked away from the AFC title game going, oh, wow. Like, we've known all year, Kansas City's a really good defensive football team. Uh, we went into week one. They, remember, they beat, they, sorry, the, the Lions beat Kansas City week one. And the, we walked away going like, well, you know what? They're a defensive-led football team, and they've got this incredible quarterback and a great defense. I <laughs> I, I walked away from the AC title game feeling like Kansas City's probably going to win another Super Bowl. Like, back-to-back years, which is really crazy because we we thought midseason. They don't have a good receiver. It's an off year for Kansas City. And I think when you look at the AFC in general, you go, well, Joe Burrow was hurt. He missed a lot of the year. The Chargers had a bad coach and Justin Herbert got injured. 
I, there's a lot of things that went down that I think really worked in the favor of Kansas City. People even have called it like a Mickey Mouse Super Bowl this year. And it's true that the a lot of the teams that we thought were going to be a challenge for Kansas City and the AFC. We thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be awesome with the Jets. He gets injured four plays into the year. Joe Burrow's out for the year. Justin Herbert's out for the year. A lot of teams, you know, the Browns lost their quarterback. There was a lot of factors that really, I think, helped Kansas City get to this point. But the reality is, I think at this moment right now, the best team in the AFC got in to the Super Bowl, actually, which I thought all year was Baltimore. Baltimore went 13-4. and They really crushed and embarrassed a couple teams they played this year. But we saw in the AFC title game, Lamar Jackson, bright spotlight. He's supposed to deliver. And the reality is Kansas City's defense was outstanding. A lot of really complicated blitzes. The Ravens didn't appear to have a great plan to beat the blitz. Uh, and Lamar, I, I just thought Lamar Jackson was going to have a moment or two. Like There was a couple times where he got sacked or had pressure in his face. And he, he didn't run around and make a crazy play that I thought he was capable of. And... That's what this game was really missing was that that one Lamar Jackson play where he like made a man miss and ran for like 45 yards on a touchdown. That, that just didn't happen. I waited all day, all game waiting and waiting. When is this going to happen? Sunday morning, I'm watching football, I guess at noon with my family. And Lamar Jackson didn't make that play. And you can you can attack Lamar Jackson if you want. I just think the credit has to go to Kansas City's defense. Their game plan was outstanding. They really limited Lamar Jackson. They tackled really well. And like I said, I I think that defense, if they shut down Lamar Jackson and the Ravens the way they did, what are they going to do to Brock Purdy? You know, I, I just, I think it's very likely two weeks from now, we're watching Patrick Mahomes hold another Lombardi trophy. And, uh, you know, I think what I'm rooting for in the Super Bowl and we'll get to the NFC title game in a moment. I think the idea of Brock Purdy winning a Super Bowl would be really, really incredible. I think that's what I want. I haven't really decided who I want to win, who I'm rooting for. I think it's Brock Purdy. I, I think the 49ers winning a Super Bowl, especially given the history that a couple of years ago, Kansas City played the 49ers in a Super Bowl. Kansas City won. And they won because the 49ers didn't have a good enough quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. I would love to see Brock Purdy do what Jimmy Garoppolo was unable to do a couple of years ago. That that would be awesome. And to watch Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft in his second year, the guy who went to the NFC title game last year but got hurt, in his second year go to a Super Bowl and win, I would love, love, love to see Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl. By the way, Brock Purdy's never lost a playoff game that he completed, which is still crazy. Um but I, I just, I look at that defense Kansas City has, their ability to tackle, the way they play together, um, their really complicated scheme. I mean, just the moments where they've got some complicated blitzes that make it really tough on the offensive line and the quarterback to identify. And if anyone can handle that, it's Brock Purdy. So I think we actually got a really good matchup between the 49ers and Kansas City. But like I said, I worry if Kansas City's defense was able to make Lamar Jackson look like not a superstar quarterback. What's going to happen when they play Brock Purdy, who I love. I love I love Brock Purdy. He's awesome. He ain't Lamar Jackson. He ain't even like, you know what I mean? He's he's a very he's a good quarterback. He's a, he's a franchise quarterback in my opinion. He's not top 5. And now let's talk about Lamar before we get into the NFC title game. Lamar Jackson, I wonder if I was fooled a little bit this year because again, there was no Herbert with a great coach and Herbert didn't play all year. We didn't see Joe Burrow. 
The Bills were down. Josh Allen had a good second half of the year, but he wasn't what he, he's been in years past. I wonder if the AFC having lots of injuries and kind of falling apart at the top. Again, not we forget how good Joe Burrow is. Joe Burrow, you know, when he's healthy, he's dominated these other quarterbacks in the AFC. He's, he's beat Patrick Mahomes a lot. Um, is, is Lamar Jackson actually the second best quarterback in the NFL? Or is it just he's one of the only quarterbacks who's a superstar that played all year and was healthy? <laughs> you know, I really, I really walked away from this AFC title game doubting Lamar Jackson a lot. And it's sad because I, I really love him. Like, I really genuinely love, love, love Lamar Jackson as a human. But I was wildly disappointed with his performance in the AFC championship game. And uh, it's it's one that for me is going to be hard to forget because I, I thought this was his moment. This was his chance to make a big statement on the field, go to a Super Bowl. And instead, uh, he kind of, it wasn't just Lamar. I think the entire Ravens organization um, kind of laid an egg in the AFC title game. But Lamar Jackson, especially face of the franchise, this was his moment to really show the world that he can do. And he didn't. He, he didn't play like a superstar. He didn't play like a second-best quarterback in football. And uh, I find that wildly, wildly disappointing. In the NFC title game, the 49ers beat Detroit 34-31. to um, I have less to say about this game, admittedly. Um, the, the big controversial thing we have to talk about that everyone's going to want to talk about, with 7 minutes and 32 seconds left in the game, down 24 to 27. The Lions had the ball on the 30 yard line, fourth and three. They went for it. They didn't get it. Uh, and they lost the game by three points. So they tried to get a first down on fourth down on the 30 yard line. They could have kicked the field goal to tie the game, a game where, again, they lost by three points. They went for it, didn't get it. It's costly. It's a mistake to me. You should have kicked the field goal in that moment. Here's why you got to kick the field goal, by the way. It wasn't fourth and goal. The, the, the consequence of converting that first, or the result of converting that fourth down would not have been a touchdown, necessarily. Converting that fourth down meant you would still have the ball, sure, and a shot to maybe score a touchdown, but you could still get held to a field goal. You could get that first down on fourth and three from the 30-yard line, get the first down, but then on the next, you know, next couple downs, get stopped again on third down, and have to kick a field goal anyway. So I don't I don't know what the, the the benefit was to going for it on fourth down. I think it's high the game in that moment, and it's frustrating. On top of that, Jameer Gibbs had a fumble. Josh Reynolds had a really key drop on third down. Um, I have nothing but respect and admiration for the Lions and what they did this year. Uh, a lot of people have come down really hard on Dan Campbell, the Lions head coach. Shouldn't have gone for it on fourth down. He shouldn't have, by the way. That was a mistake. In my opinion, you don't go for it there. But, man, like, that's how they played all year. The Lions, love them or hate them, they took risks. Remember the, the Cowboys game where they went for it on for a two-point conversion three plays in a row? <laughs> like, that was a bad decision then. But that's always what Dan Campbell's been. He takes risks, love it or not. And there were a lot of times this year where I didn't love Dan Campbell's decisions to go for it. You can't hate the guy for being who he is and who he was all year. Um, I I don't, I just think it, perspective matters here. Dan Campbell took the Detroit Lions from, I mean, not, 
I don't, I don't know how to put this. Like the Browns and the Lions have been, and, and the Jets are up there too. But the Jets at least went to some playoff games with Mark Sanchez, right? The Browns and the Lions were my entire lifetime the the worst organizations in the NFL, far and away. And, and the Lions were by far way worse than even the Browns were because the Browns had some success at least with Baker Mayfield. We've been waiting and waiting for the Lions to do something good and. Um, it, it took a long time. I, I guess they made a playoff game with Stafford a couple times, but um, Dan Campbell took the Lions from absolute garbage to the NFC title game. And by the way, they had a commanding lead in the first half. In the second halftime, Detroit Lions were dominating this football game. And so I, I think that perspective matters. You can come down hard on Dan Campbell. You can attack him. You can hate him. He did. He made a boneheaded mistake, in my opinion, right? Going forward on fourth and three with seven minutes left, down three on the 30-yard line. You kicked the field goal there. <laughs> Everyone knows that. But, like, A, Dan Campbell went for it all year in that moment. Why Why expect him to change at the end of the year? You know what I mean? You, you live and die the way you've been playing and coaching all year. But on top of that, can we give the guy a little bit of grace when you look at the culture he built in Detroit, the way he won, the fact that, I don't know, man, the Detroit Lions had a really big lead at halftime in the NFC Championship game. Yes, they lost. It's painful. But still, can we not acknowledge the incredible success that that is, which is monumental. Um, So even though Dan Campbell, I think, fucked up, let's just say it, he made a mistake. He should have kicked the field goal there. I I still think his full body of work this year and the last couple years in Detroit— you got to respect it. And anyone attacking him or criticizing him, he's not above reproach. He deserves criticism. But in the same breath, let's also acknowledge and respect what he's done. Because what Dan Campbell has done in Detroit, the culture he's built, the loyalty he's gained from his players and his coaching staff, um, it's incredible. And, and also, did we really expect the Detroit Lions to beat the 49ers in the NFC title game? Like, the 49ers playing at home with a much better roster— we all kind of thought the Lions were lucky to be in the game, right? Let alone have a huge lead at halftime. So I just walk away from this game with nothing but respect for the Lions. And I love Dan Campbell. I love Jared Goff. Uh, I, I like Dan Campbell more as a coach, and I like Jared Goff as a quarterback. And I like Jared Goff more as a human than I like him as a quarterback. But uh, it was a fun year. The Lions were incredible. They're a great story. I'm really sad they're not in the Super Bowl. That would have been fun. But uh, you know what? Like, I just think you got to, you got to, remember the perspective and where the Lions came from. The fact they were even playing in the NFC title game is incredible. And so, I don't know. Attack Dan Campbell if you want. I got nothing but love for the guy, and and what a great job. Now, we got to talk about Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is... um, (laughs) I'm so nervous for this Super Bowl, man. I really like Brock Purdy, and I think Brock Purdy holding that Lombardi trophy, winning a Super Bowl would be such a cool story. But he's at a couple rough moments in these playoffs, right? I thought he wasn't great in the Packers game, kind of got away with one, played bad and still won. And for half of this Lions game, Brock Purdy was unimpressive. Second half, they get it going, they score, they make a big comeback, and they win, and that's awesome. But how confident are you, if you're a 49ers fan, when you realize Brock Purdy's playing against a defense that just shut down Lamar Jackson and a defense in Kansas City that made play after play after play all year long? And they're playing Patrick Mahomes. I I just, man, if I'm a 49er fan, I'm feeling really, really insecure right now. I'm not feeling really confident. I'm I'm excited because it's your team, but man, like, 
I think it's very, very reasonable for 49ers fans to feel a lot of doubt. And so that's, that's we, we, we got a lot of time. We got two weeks now between now and the Super Bowl, basically. So we got a lot of time to marinate and think. And I don't want to tell you like a prediction right now. I don't want to make some grand proclamation. But early on, Tuesday, January 30th, 9.37 p.m., I, I, I really am leaning Kansas City if I have to make a prediction. I think I'm rooting for Brock Purdy. I want to see the 49ers win a Super Bowl. And also, we've seen Patrick Mahomes win two Super Bowls already. I, you know, I, I don't need to see Patrick Mahomes win a third Super Bowl uh, out of four appearances. But I, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really worried about the 49ers, and I'm, I'm really, I, I really respect the juggernaut that is Kansas City. Like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen on planet Earth. He's somehow underrated. Actually, it's really wild to me how. I think people hate him so much and and are tired of him winning so much they don't appreciate him. Kind of like Tom Brady was underrated for a long time because people were so sick of Brady winning they stopped appreciating what he can do. Patrick Mahomes, I, I've just never seen a guy like him, man. The the plays he can make, the he's everything. Physically, he's incredible. He's a good leader. He handles pressure insanely well. I can't really think of a bad thing to say about Patrick Mahomes as far as his ability as a quarterback and how he handles big moments. And that's crazy. Like, yeah, no, I don't, I genuinely don't think Patrick Mahomes has a weakness as a quarterback, which is insanity. And you realize Patrick Mahomes with a great defense is playing against a, a 49ers team and Brock Purdy that have been ugh, like limping their way to this Super Bowl. Two really ugly playoff wins. Like they, you, you survive the Packers and you had to have a massive comeback to beat the Detroit Lions. Ah, man. I, I really, really lean Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I think they're going to win. Uh, if I had to make a prediction now, I would say Kansas City's going to win. I reserve the right to take a week to think about it. But uh, and, and I'm going to watch some film. I think when I come to you next week, I'll have some some really, I, I hopefully some thoughtful film analysis. Like some things I can say. Like, here's what I saw. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what I expect. And we'll talk about their playoff run so far. Um, I want to give you like a really thoughtful prediction next week, but gut feeling right now is a lot of worry and concern for the 49ers and a lot of respect and admiration for Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. And I'm really strongly leaning towards Kansas City. And uh, it's it's really interesting the way this Super Bowl has been been marketed and promoted or talked about on social media for like promoted is like the wrong word, but kind of is the right word, too. You've got people that love Taylor Swift rooting for Kansas City and people that hate Taylor Swift rooting for the 49ers. And, and Kansas City's become this really great villain, actually, because you've got Patrick Mahomes going to his fourth Super Bowl. He's already won as many playoff games as Peyton Manning. He's 28 years old. People are sick and tired of Patrick Mahomes dominating football. Oh, yeah, by the way, they've got the Swifties, so there's all this other added drama. There's a lot of people that really hate Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just true. Like, you just have to... Taylor Swift is part of this now. There will be people making their decision on who they want to win or lose based on Mahomes and Taylor Swift. And so it's just fascinating to me the the decisions people are making on who to root for and who to root against. Uh, it's such a... You know, this this whole, like, Taylor Swift thing... It couldn't have worked out better for the NFL. It really, it really could not have. Taylor Swift dates Travis Kelsey. It's great for ratings. It's getting women involved. Oh, and by the way, her boyfriend's team is going to the fucking Super Bowl. I mean, like, 
is it scripted? Is it not? I really believed in that. Remember the the purple and the red colors kind of signaling we were going to get Ravens 49ers? That didn't happen. And I, I don't think there's a script. I, I don't believe any of that nonsense. But, man, it, it could not have worked out better financially and interest-wise for the NFL. I, I would imagine I mean, the Super Bowl always gets, like, unbelievable ratings. This could be, like, the highest-rated Super Bowl ever, partially because Taylor Swift is going to be there. And pe- women, particularly, that are normally not as interested in football are going to be watching for that exact reason. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to Travis Kelsey, man. I, like... There was a moment I was watching the post-game celebration for the AFC title game. And he got Travis Kelsey on, on stage. You got to fight for the right to party. Like he's, he's celebrating on stage, being a goof, right? Celebrating the fact he's going to the second Super Bowl in two years. He's, he's won uh, Super Bowls already. Travis Kelsey going to another one. But this had to be like an all-time incredible like life moment. As you're on stage celebrating going to another Super Bowl... Your girlfriend, Taylor Swift, is in the crowd beneath your level of the stage watching you and celebrating you going to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I don't know how much as far as like the the story goes, right, as far as things that you can talk about, like the legend of Travis Kelsey. That's a fucking epic moment, man. It really is. Imagine, like I said, one more time. You're on stage celebrating going to your second Super Bowl in two years. Your girlfriend Biggest pop star in the world, Taylor Swift, is in the crowd under the stage you're on celebrating with you. I I don't think life, as far as like all time moments get, it doesn't get much better than that. And whether you like Taylor Swift or not, that's a that's a badass fucking moment for Travis Kelsey. And uh, I don't know, man. It's I, I it's been interesting. Like I early on really didn't like the Taylor Swift stuff. And as it's gone on longer, I'm like, I, I don't mind it. I really kind of enjoy this this little sideshow. That it's not, it's a sideshow. Let's be clear, it's not the main focus, but it's getting a lot of people's interest. Uh, and uh, I'm enjoying it, man. Like I, I love that Andy Reid's like pointing at Taylor Swift after the game. Like that's just fun. And if you if you like don't like that, I think you don't enjoy life. I mean, I really, I, I think that how can you? I just don't. I don't relate to the people who hate Taylor Swift. I don't relate to the people that don't enjoy this little sideshow. All of this is for entertainment anyways, and I, I just really, uh, the little moments we've gotten from this this Chiefs run has been just, like, wildly interesting and fun. And, uh, oh, man, I, I'm going to miss football a lot. Like, we are, we got one Sunday left, and it's been a hell of a year. Like, the things that have happened in the last, like, even in my personal life, since August, right, I, I I, in August, when the year started, I was in a relationship, living in Hawaii, and was getting ready for my ex-girlfriend to move to Hawaii with me. Now I live in the mainland. I do HVAC. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not in a relationship. It's really wild how much has changed. And this football season has been such an evolution for me as a human. And um, I'm going to miss Sundays, man. I'm going to really, really miss. I know we're going to the UFL, the United Football League. It's not the same. And I, I really... These last two Sundays, the divisional round and the championship round, I just tried to like sit down with my family and a good snack and enjoy watching the games. And it's been so, so fun. And we got one Sunday left. I am telling you guys, please, please enjoy it. Right. Like we got one Sunday until September next year of NFL football. We'll have little moments here and there. We'll have the NFL draft. We'll have 
the free agent deadlines. We'll have like little moments, but it's not going to be the same until we get another Sunday again. And uh, this playoff run in particular has been such a joy, man. It's been such a good time, th- these these playoff games. And uh, oh, man, I already know I'm going to miss football so much. I really, I really am. And, uh, you know, I, as I look back on this past weekend, it, it stinks that Jared Goff and the, the Detroit Lions blew that lead. It stinks that Dan Campbell went for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal. It stinks that Lamar Jackson kind of laid an egg, right? Like he wasn't, Lamar Jackson threw for 272 yards. He wasn't God awful. He ran for like 54 yards, had a touchdown. He wasn't awful, but he had two turnovers. And there were so many moments where I thought Lamar Jackson could have made a play that he didn't. And uh, got it. took a sack that was really bad. He had a couple incomplete passes where I thought he could have been better. He had a couple moments where I thought he could have extended a play and he didn't. Oh man, I, I was so I t- like I wanted Lamar to go to the Super Bowl. I really did. But even if he didn't go to the Super Bowl, but he played a good game, I could have I could have handled it better. But the fact that Lamar Jackson didn't have a great game was just so devastating for me. I was watching, I was sick to my stomach on Sunday. Like going into that NFC title game after the the Ravens Chiefs game, I was just like. Man, I'm so sad. I love Lamar. He's so awesome. And the fact that he wasn't great and isn't going to the Super Bowl, that made me so sad, man. It really did. Uh, anyway, write in. Let me know what you thought of these games. Who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? I'm very, very curious. Um, before we talk about, we got questions for Patreon, a lot of them to answer. I want to talk about some news that broke uh, this week. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Ultimately, really more like 13 little stories we'll, we'll discuss and talk about. Um, I think, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I, I don't even know which one to start with. Um, well, we already mentioned this last week. I want to just re re uh, visit this topic briefly. Tennessee hired a new head coach, Brian Callahan, the former Bengals offensive coordinator. And I want to succinctly say why I really like this hire. I'd have no idea if Brian Callahan's a good coach or not. We'll, we'll find out a lot from him. He seems kind of vanilla, right? Like you look at how he his press conferences, everything's like, yeah, he's he's fine. Like he's he's like sort of handsome-ish and he's interesting, I guess. But here's what I really like. Tennessee fired Mike Vrabel, their their head coach, or, or mutually parted ways with him, meaning they fired him, just they weren't as honest about it. And the biggest problem with hiring Mike Vrabel in Tennessee is that he's a defensive head coach. Meaning that whoever works with your quarterback was going to, if he succeeded, was going to leave. The benefit of hiring an offensive head coach, Brian Callahan, is that if he does a great job of the quarterback, he's not going anywhere. They got a young guy, Will Levis. You got an offensive head coach. And I, I think if you've got a young quarterback, that is basically the only way to go. If you've got a young quarterback and a defensive head coach, it's just a matter of time until you're really smart, awesome offensive coordinator working with and succeeding with that young quarterback leaves to go to another team to become their head coach. So the one thing, we'll learn if Brian Callahan can coach or not. We have a lot to to learn. Just because you're a good offensive coordinator, by the way, does not mean you're a good head coach. Look at Pat Shermer. Look at so many offensive coordinators over the years who became head coaches and failed miserably. But if it works really well with Will Levis and Brian Callahan, you're not going to be at risk of losing your offensive coordinator, which is such a massive deal. And uh, makes me feel, I still have so many questions about Brian Callahan. I frankly don't, I'm not very familiar with him. 
we'll learn a lot about him next year as Tennessee's head coach. But if it goes well, it's a good hire because he's not going to leave. <laughs> and if you kept Mike Vrabel and got a new offensive coordinator to work with Will Levis, all that would have happened is if that guy had done well, he would have gone somewhere else to be a head coach. And uh, you kind of, you're playing 4D chess here and just saying, we're making a move that can't be countered by hiring an offensive head coach. And I think therefore that's a interesting and compelling move right away. Um, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator in Detroit, apparently has said no to Seattle, the Washington, the, the Washington Commanders, and the Seattle Seahawks. He's not going to take a head coaching job. Ben Johnson is going back to Detroit to be the offensive coordinator next year. I absolutely love this move. First of all, apparently teams were not happy with his financial demands. He wanted a lot of money, which I also really love. Ben Johnson in Detroit has a really good setup. Quarterback, he loves Jared Goff. Head coach, he loves Dan Campbell. They're winning. They're succeeding. You have to convince Ben Johnson to leave Detroit to become your head coach. So you got to pay him really well. You got to give him a good quarterback and a lot of lot of room to to grow and and experiment to figure stuff out. Basically, he's got to be given room to fail early on and it takes some time to learn. And I, I think he's got all the leverage. Apparently, people were scared away by the amount of money he was asking for. And I, I, I just really like that Ben Johnson's going back. I think Ben Johnson, to me, this shows a lot of self-awareness. He's like, I'm not just going to jump at whatever opportunity to be a head coach appears to me. I'm going to wait till I get a really good opportunity with a good quarterback and a good organization and a really stable owner. That makes me really happy. I think Ben Johnson, one of the... More wise moves we've seen in the coaching profession in a long time where I say all the time, why would you leave a good scenario for like a sketchy one with a bad owner and no quarterback? Why, If you're winning as the offensive coordinator in Detroit, why in the world would you go be the coach of like, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of a, a really, truly bad scenario. Who, who Carolina, for example. Why would you go be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers? With Bryce Young, sure, we like as a quarterback, but an owner is sketchy and an organization people don't seem to want to work for. I just really think that Ben Johnson did the right thing by staying. And there's another coach who stayed in position too, by the way. Bobby Slowick, the Houston Texans offensive coordinator, apparently is going to stay in Houston, which it's like, it's a gold mine, man. The fact that Ben Johnson stayed in Detroit. Oh, and Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator in Houston, who made their quarterback CJ Stroud play like an NFL MVP as a rookie. The fact that Houston's getting Bobby Slowick back is unbelievable. Congratulations, by the way, to to, 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 did I say Tennessee? I meant the Houston Texans. Congratulations to the Houston Texans for retaining Bobby Slowick as their offensive coordinator. That's a massive deal. Great for them. And uh, I frankly, I didn't expect either guy, Bobby Slowick or Ben Johnson, to stay with their team after this year. The fact they're both going back for a second year or for another year with their teams Makes me really, really happy, and uh, it's not Ben Johnson's second year, but you know what I'm saying. It's for them to stay after a really successful year and be coming back for another year. It's massive, and I really, really did not see that coming, and I'm very, very happy for both Detroit and Houston. One of the biggest surprises of uh, this this coaching carousel, right? Bill Belichick did not get hired by any NFL team. He had two interviews with Atlanta. He had an interview with the LA Chargers. The Chargers went with Jim Harbaugh, probably the right move, by the way. You got Justin Herbert, and yeah, I got an offensive head coach. 
Jim Harbaugh played quarterback in the NFL. That's a no-brainer. I love that. I don't think Belichick fit as well in L.A. as Jim Harbaugh did. But I, I really thought Belichick had a, a strong chance to become the head coach in Atlanta. The fact that he's not is wild to me. It's very interesting that no one seemed to want Belichick. I think it was a lot of things. I'm sure, like, Carolina would have hired Belichick in a heartbeat, right? But Belichick doesn't want to go to Carolina to work with David Tepper and Bryce Young. I, I think Belichick wasn't interested in going to a team that didn't have a lot of potential. Bill Belichick said, I'm going to wait for the right opportunity. And I, I wonder if Belichick thought he was going to get more interest than he did. But it's. I just want to acknowledge, I think it's crazy. I think it's maybe wrong. And I, I don't like that Bill Belichick is not going to be a head coach in the NFL next year. Um, love him or hate him. It's a guy who's won six Super Bowls. He's an incredible, incredible football coach. And uh, I, I'm, I'm shocked and disappointed that Belichick is not going to be on NFL sideline next year. I wonder what's next for him. I, I would love to see Bill Belichick as like an offensive, or, sorry, as a defensive coordinator somewhere. Bill Belichick would be, I think, like the best defensive coordinator in football. I really think that. Imagine him. I, I've heard his name, you know, rumors and, and wishful thinking. What if Belichick went to Green Bay to become the Packers defensive coordinator? What if he went to the Chargers with Jim Harbaugh? Like all this crazy stuff. And I, I just would love to see that. I don't think it's going to happen. But man, um, if Belichick is not coaching football somewhere next year, that's a shame because he's such a good coach. Him and Pete Carroll, two, two guys who are older. I think they were the two oldest coaches in football. I think they've still got a lot to offer the game. And if I'm a if I'm a television studio man, I am getting on the phone with Belichick's agent and saying, look, we want you on TV. We don't even care what it is. We want Belichick in front of a microphone. If you're not going to coach, let's tell your story. Let's have you do a podcast. Let's have you do a TV show, like something. Let's get a microphone in front of Bill Belichick because um, for him to not be utilized at all next football season would be such a shame, like such a good football mind not being used at all would be horrifically sad, in my opinion. Um, we already talked last week about Jim Harbaugh. We've already talked about even the show. The, the LA Chargers hired Jim Harbaugh, which I love, by the way. Him with Justin Herbert. Uh, man, I think Herbert. Justin Herbert is an incredible quarterback and from everyone I know who's met him says he's an incredible human who works really hard and, and just does all the little things right. Now Herbert has a superstar head coach and one who's an offensive coach and been a quarterback in the NFL before. I just think this this match between Justin Herbert and Jim Harbaugh is going to be unlike anything else. I cannot wait to see it play out on the field and uh, I love the hire. There's a little bit of news though on top of that. Joe Hortiz has been hired as the Chargers general manager. He was the director of player personnel for the Ravens. So he went from working with John Harbaugh in Baltimore to Jim Harbaugh in L.A. with the Chargers. And uh, Joe Hortiz, great for him. I, I wonder, man, like, can you imagine moving from Baltimore, Maryland to L.A.? <laughs> How different your life is about to be. The weather, the city the everything i mean i've heard baltimore you know like the wire was filmed in baltimore and set in baltimore and like baltimore is a rough town we all know that but i've got friends who live in virginia uh what's the name of the guy let me find his name because he this guy came to visit me in hawaii he lived in virginia which is you know it's right next to maryland um hawaii 
What is this guy's name? They, I forget. I forget your name. You came to visit me. We had drinks at the Harbor Pub in Honolulu. It was you. It was your brother. It was your amazing girlfriend. He should be your fiance someday, hopefully. Anyway, they're from Virginia. They had a lot of nice things to say about Baltimore, actually. They made the waterfront sound nice. It's a cool aquarium. Like, I'm not trying to shit on Baltimore. <laughs> but, dude, L.A.? If you had the same income in Baltimore and L.A. as a general manager in the NFL, you're making a lot of money. L.A. is a place to be. Like, congratulations for that guy, man. Joe Hortiz, amazing career move for you. I'm happy for you. Although the taxes are going to be brutal. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I just It's interesting to go from John Harbaugh to Jim Harbaugh. And I have no doubt that their connection with the brothers uh, led to this hire. We talked about uh, Bill Belichick not getting hired at all. I was so certain Bill Belichick was going to go to Atlanta. And I really thought that part of why he would go to Atlanta is that, uh, you know, remember when the Patriots had a huge comeback against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl? I would think Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, would remember that. Remember the coach who did that to him and hire Bill Belichick, but he didn't. The Atlanta Falcons have hired Raheem Morris as their next head coach. Raheem Morris was the defensive coordinator for the LA Rams. And, uh, I don't know what to make of this one. I really, like, from everything I can learn about Raheem Morris, he's a great dude. People love him. The Rams were, like, really supportive of him becoming a head coach. They were championing him a ton. And remember, Raheem Morris was once the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He was the interim head coach. He didn't get kept after that year. But he coached in Atlanta for a long time. He was, again, Raheem Morris was once the interim head coach of the Falcons, who was not kept and retained. They They moved on to another coach. Um, I believe, I, th- I think it was Arthur Smith. I, think, I would imagine, uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but my theory without doing any research is that I think when Dan Quinn got fired, Raheem Morris became the interim head coach for the rest of that year. And then they hired Arthur Smith after Raheem Morris. Um, Raheem Morris has been a head coach before he was a head coach in Tampa. Um, he knows that division and NFC South really, really well. It's fascinating. I mean, imagine hiring Raheem Morris instead of Bill Belichick. Kind of risky, in my opinion, because if Raheem Morris doesn't work and you let Bill Belichick sit on the sidelines for a year, oh, man. Like, you know, but I think it's also possible Raheem Morris does a great job. Um, From what I can tell, motivator, people love him. He hired a really good offensive coordinator, Zach Robinson, who was the Rams quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. They hired Jimmy Lake as their defensive coordinator. Jimmy Lake was once the head coach for the Washington Huskies in college. They met on the Rams coaching staff. It's interesting. I I don't know who the quarterback is really going to be in Atlanta next year. I don't know. I've got a lot of questions about Raheem Morris, but I'm I'm really fascinated because I don't know what to expect. And I, you know how often I say, I don't love a defensive head coach with a young quarterback. If you're going to have a young quarterback, which I think they might in Atlanta, oh Raheem Morris, like if Zach Robinson does well as the offensive coordinator, you know he's going to leave and become a head coach somewhere. Um, But I'm just I'm fascinated. Imagine the guy who. Didn't keep you as head coach. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, could have kept Raheem Morris on as head coach when he was interim head coach, but he didn't. So for him then to circle back a couple years later and then make him the Falcons head coach is really, really interesting to me. And uh, I'm rooting for Raheem Morris. I really, I think his journey's fascinating. Um, and I, I'm really, I'm fascinated to see if he can become a great head coach in Atlanta. But man, to turn down Bill Belichick for Raheem Morris... It feels risky from an optics level. Like I said, you didn't want Belichick? This guy better work then. Remorse better do a good job or else it's going to be one we judge really harshly years from now.
Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers hired an, an offensive coordinator. We talked about Atlanta. Uh, the former Falcons head coach is Arthur Smith, who I thought did a abysmal job as the head coach in Atlanta. Totally misusing players, mismanaging personnel. They've got all these first-round picks. They've got Drake London at receiver, Kyle Pitts at tight end, highest drafted tight end ever, Bijan Robinson at running back, and they didn't use them very well. He's supposed to be an offensive genius as head coach. I hated what Arthur Smith did in Atlanta. We've now learned that the Pittsburgh Steelers have hired Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator, which makes me want to blow my brains out. I really, really hate this hire. I hate it with a passion. I don't like Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith should be like a offensive line coach somewhere. Right? Like, I would not give full control of my offense to Arthur Smith. Now, let's be clear. It's possible he's a terrible head coach who had too much responsibility and therefore was not a good offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Maybe his ability to design and the offense was hampered by the responsibility he had as head coach. And that's possible. But I didn't like Arthur Smith, even when he was just the offensive coordinator in Tennessee for the Titans coaching Ryan Tannehill. I hated his offense years ago when he was just the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. I don't know what the flying fuck is going on in Pittsburgh. I I really, they they don't know who their quarterback is. Kenny Pickett looks god awful. The, The same people who hired, and let's... Mike Tomlin is the head coach in Pittsburgh making the decisions, let's be clear. he's Mike Tomlin decided a role with Matt Canada as his offensive coordinator. Matt Canada, pardon my French, was dog shit. He was a horrible offensive coordinator. So I have no confidence in the ability of Mike Tomlin to hire a good offensive coordinator. I really hate Arthur Smith as a head coach. I thought he was a terrible head coach in Atlanta. And I don't trust him as an offensive coordinator. I have nothing but fear and concern when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense next year. You've got an offensive coordinator I don't trust who seems to have no idea how to use your personnel properly. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have a coach who appears to be able to hire offensive coordinators, apparently. I love Mike Tomlin. What the fuck? What are you doing? I don't know, man. If I was, my friend Devin is a Steelers fan. Look up the Here We Go show on YouTube. Devin's awesome. Devin, I'm so sorry, man. Like, I, I, I don't have to tell you, dude. I, I feel bad. I feel really, really bad for you. I, I, If you're a Steelers fan right now, I would be mutinying. Arthur freaking Smith is the best you can do? What? I just can't imagine that's, that's really the best guy you could hire as the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Now, if he does a great job, you can replay this clip next year and make fun of me. I don't even care. But I, I have zero confidence in Arthur Smith. I've got very little to no confidence in Kenny Pickett. Uh, like, I don't know what they're doing, and I'm so not excited about the Steelers' offense. It's not even funny. It's it's just a disaster, in my opinion. We got a couple um, news related to Buffalo. So, former Bills offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey just got hired as the Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator. A- interesting, I guess. We'll see what happens there. And Joe Brady's been elevated to officially the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. Um... When Ken Dorsey got fired midseason by Buffalo, they made Joe Brady the temporary offensive coordinator. They went on a great run, won a lot of games, and Josh Allen played better. Joe Brady's once the guy who was the, you know, the the architect behind Joe Burrow's incredible year at LSU in 2019 when he, when he won the NF, the national title and 
Joe Brady was supposed to become this great NFL coach who he went to Carolina as the offensive coordinator under Matt Rule. It really didn't work. He was kind of awful. Um, but it's it's interesting they retained him and people are mad. I've seen a lot of people saying Joe Brady is the reason why the Bills lost to Kansas City in their playoff game. But Joe Brady is also probably the reason why the second half of the year went so well for the Buffalo Bills. So I've got no problem with this. It's a controversial hire to some, but I don't mind Joe Brady being made the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. Um, the really, really, the the big winner of the coaching carousel, the team that I think by far did better than any other team when it came to hiring new coordinators is Philadelphia. Once again, the Philadelphia Eagles make more improvements. To their, like, it's just really unbelievable how well run the Eagles are. <laughs> uh, two years ago, they go to a Super Bowl. And they lose their offensive coordinator, um, Shane Steichen, to become the Colts head coach. They also lose their defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, to become the Arizona Cardinals head coach. So they're left with no coordinators anywhere. And uh, last year was pretty ugly for Philly. This this last year, meaning this past year, 2023, this season. Um, Philly really fell apart after starting great. They were like 10-1 and one to start the year. They kind of fell off a cliff. And I, I call it the brain drain where... Losing both your coordinators is really hard to recover from. Well, they just reloaded. Uh, Philadelphia hired Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator, the guy who I, th- I think did some good stuff with Dak in Dallas, but even more so did some really impressive stuff with Justin Herbert briefly in his time as the Chargers offensive coordinator. He's a really awesome young mind in the the offensive side of the football and uh, that world. Kellen Moore getting hired to Philadelphia is crazy. By the way, Kellen Moore knows their rival Dallas really, really well because he was just there. Kellen Moore was the coach, the offensive coordinator under Mike McCarthy, who's still in Dallas. I would imagine that's going to play a role in how they... I I, I think Philly's set to really kind of um, use Kellen Moore as a resource to mess with and maybe um, have some insight into the Dallas Cowboys. But on top of that, not only did Philly hire a really awesome offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, they might have hired the best defensive coordinator in football right now, Vic Fangio. Uh, Vic Fangio was with Miami last year, but he mutually parted ways with the Miami Dolphins because he wanted to be closer to his family, which is in Pennsylvania, where the Philadelphia Eagles are. So the Eagles found a way to kind of slide their way into hiring Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator. And Vic Fangio is an incredible defensive mind. He never wants to be a head coach again. He wants to take care of the defensive side of the football. There's a ton of talent in Philly just waiting to be used properly. If anyone can get the best out of the Philadelphia Eagles defense, it is Vic Fangio. I am convicted in this. I love, love, love Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator. He might be the best one in football. Now he's in Philly. It's And, and he's not going anywhere. His family's in Philly. Vic Fangio has said, I don't want to be a head coach again. I was a head coach in Denver, didn't have a quarterback. I did a lot of BS I didn't want to deal with. He likes coaching defense. He likes being a defensive coordinator. That is the role he is comfortable and settled in. I think Philly just got their new defensive coordinator for like the next five, ten, ten years is probably too long. Five years to whenever he retires. Vic Fangio isn't going anywhere. He likes Philly. He's a genius on defense. I think this is an incredible hire. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't mean to like just praise Philly. I feel like every year Philly makes a bunch of moves in the offseason and I just go, oh my moves ever, but I I really genuinely believe that. I can't believe they hired Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator. And by the way, Kellen Moore is pretty good too. So what a way to solve a problem in Philly. 
You you lost your coordinators. You had a hard time reloading last year. Bam, you're back. Philly instantly just, I, I think, really solved so many problems for themselves by hiring great coordinators. And, uh, oh, man, it, really, really wonderful for them. Um, I guess we only got really two, three things left. The Carolina Panthers hired a head coach, Dave Canales, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator. He's fine. I like that he's an offensive coach. Um, you know, I think that if you're going to work with a young quarterback like they've got in Carolina with Bryce Young, you'll want an offensive head coach so that if they do well, they don't leave. Um, he wasn't anyone's first pick. Dave Canales is kind of, he's all right. He's interesting. I thought his offense was okay in Tampa. Um, but he's a young guy, got good energy. People like him. Um, and it's basically the best hire Carolina could possibly have. But at least they didn't hire like a defensive co- you know, head, co- or head coach or something like that. But um, Dave Canales, we'll see what happens. I've got very, very low expectations for Carolina, just given they've had three coaches in three years now. It's been really rough and tumble since they brought in, since the new owner, David Tepper, bought the team. I guess really it's more like four head coaches in four years because it was Ron Rivera, then Matt Rule, then Frank Reich, and now Dave Canales. So four coaches in four years. You got a young quarterback. It's an organization people don't appear to want to work in and for. Um, I got such low expectations for Dave Canales that if he does anything positive, I'll be happy about that. Uh, And I guess we'll just see what happens. It's it's really just a wait-and-see situation because I was not that impressed with his offenses in Tampa. Like They were fine, but they weren't like... It wasn't amazing play design that was winning. It was Tampa just kind of playing a bad schedule, limping their way to a playoff game, and having some better talent at receiver. I, I don't know. I, I just I don't personally feel that impressed with Dave Canales, but we'll see what he can do as a head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Again, I think he's got a really tough uphill battle ahead of him. Um, let me double check this, but currently, as far as I know, Washington and Seattle do not have a head coach. Let's double check that. Washington Commanders head coach. Who is their head coach? As far as I know, they don't have one. Of course, my internet's not working. I don't know why that is. Um, I have full Wi-Fi bars, but for some reason, no internet to my computer, which is monumentally frustrating. Um, Let's just find out. What is happening with Washington Commanders head coach? As far as I know, they don't have one. They're searching, and they're searching, and uh, they have nothing. So the commander's on a head coach, um, and neither does Seattle. We're waiting. We're waiting. Um, and I, I currently, uh, I have no idea who Seattle or Washington is going to hire. I mean, is Bill Belichick in the running for Washington? I don't think so, but if there, maybe there's a shot. I don't think so, though. And I'd like to see Washington hire an offensive head coach that can work well with their young quarterback, Sam Howell. Seems like there's a mess going on there. No one wants to work there. And Seattle, I I, I think it's going to hire Dan Quinn, the former, I see still the defensive coordinator in Dallas. He used to be the defensive coordinator in Seattle when they won a Super Bowl with Pete Carroll. I think Dan Quinn is next in Seattle, but I'm I'm waiting to find out. It's weird we still haven't figured out who the head coach is going to be in Seattle. And, uh... It seems like they hired, or sorry, they fired Pete Carroll without a plan for what's next. And that's, huh. Seahawks fans, how you feeling? If you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, how are you feeling today? Do you feel good? Are you scared? Are you nervous? I, I'm nervous and I'm not even a Seahawks fan. So I'm, I'm very fascinated to see what's going to be, uh, 
what narratives are going to be coming out of Seattle anytime soon. Um, last thing I want to talk about, Jim Harbaugh left Michigan to become the head coach of the Chargers. So now, who's Michigan's head coach? What's the move? Are they going to hire a big name? Maybe Michigan goes after, like, I don't know, um, some, I think, some uh, a Nick Saban level. That's the wrong way to put that. But some big name college football head coach. Is that what's going to happen at Michigan? No. Uh, Michigan hired Sharon Moore to be their their head coach. Um, Sharon Moore was the interim head coach when Harbaugh was suspended for three games this year, went 3-0. He was the offensive coordinator at Michigan. That's fine. Like, First of all, good for Sharon Moore. Like, Seems like a really likable, very kind dude. Um, he's no Jim Harbaugh. Well, let's be very clear. I-, I think Michigan probably should focus their efforts more on hiring a big-name coach than Sharon Moore, but we'll see what's going to happen. Sharon Moore is going to get one year for sure next year at Michigan. Can he recruit? I have no idea. Can he coach? I, I really don't know. I mean, he's, again, he's not Jim Harbaugh. In the moments I thought he was the head coach last year, he kind of got away with some things that weren't the best coaching decisions. We'll say it that way. Um, so Sharon Moore is the new head coach at Michigan, and I, I don't know what to make of that. I'm, 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 I'm rooting for the guy. I like him. But I'm also hesitant to say he's going to be great because I just don't. I wasn't that impressed with what he did as interim head coach last year. That's the news, guys. Wow. Um, that was a lot of stuff. I want to end the show. I can't even talk. I want to end today's show with questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. It is the best way to support Strong Opinion Sports. It's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. It literally does pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, um, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. I look at every single question with my eyeballs, and I pick the top couple to read on the show. Uh, We got a lot I want to read today. Of course, my internet's going out, which is... I mean, Patreon is loaded, so I can look at the questions, but um, I, if anything happens, I'm going to have to switch to my phone, and it's going to be clunky. So if there's some clunkiness in this segment, forgive me. I currently don't have internet to my laptop, which is right in front of me to my left, and I, I don't know why. I think it's very weird, and I uh, no idea. Um, I think we'll start today with—oh, man, there's so many good ones. I really—you guys, great job, guys. I'm really excited. Uh, we'll start today with barely competent, barely spelled with like the Chicago Bears, barely, B-E-A-R-L-Y, competent, says, Zacharoni, I'm stoked to hear about your new podcast that will replace Zach Schaumler talking. I agree that doing it with someone else will make it better for yourself and the audience. Thanks, brother. Barely says, I've been on a reading kick lately. A couple years ago, I read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, per your recommendation, and damn, that book was great. My goal this year is to read at least 15 minutes every day, hoping it will replace my screen time. I don't know if you've ever heard of Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, but it probably has the biggest impact on me of any book I've ever read. Everyone should read it. Also, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, uh, the Gregory Hayes translation, is another fantastic book. With the offseason here, what are your plans? Draft coverage, film analysis, a break, the other podcast. If you ain't first, you're last. So technically everyone is last except the Niners or Chiefs, and the Bears have the number one overall pick. So the Bears are kind of winners. That's how I sleep at night. <laughs> oh, you poor Bears fan. What are my plans, man? Um, I have so much happening in my life. Um, I, 
ah, man, how do I even say this properly? Um, film analysis really is going to be the focus for me, like in my free time. I'm really busy. Like my, my actual job, like HVAC right now has been lots of training and learning. Like I, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at HVAC. I know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing newer, bigger things that are more challenging. And it's been, uh, uh, it's a lot of learning. Like my, my, my brain is on overload learning HVAC things about all kinds of stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm, again, I'm pretty good at it and I'm with a good company. They treat me well. It's just also information overload. So I'm learning a lot of information. Uh, I'm also doing a, a podcast. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm doing strong opinion sports once a week. And that's actually a lot of work, believe it or not. Trying to do that in a full-time job is a lot uh, of effort. Uh, like it's 10 o'clock. I, I get up at five o'clock in the morning for work. It's already 10 o'clock. I'm going to get probably four or five hours of sleep tonight at best. Uh, it's going to be rough. So I got a lot happening. Um, I'm also like, how do I, like I'm kind of seeing someone and that's going to be interesting. Um, I, I, it's an accident. I wasn't seeking it out. It just kind of fell into my lap and uh, I, I never would have thought I, I'm with someone who's like, not out of my league. I, I think I, I match her pretty well, but I'm like, man, she's like marriage material, man. Really awesome. So I got a lot on my plate and, uh, all my free time is going to go to film analysis. I really want to have a great off season with a lot of film analysis. I need the views. I need the money. I also want to make it. I really like for the first time in such a long time, um, I don't have any barriers to making film analysis anymore. So I like, I can go crazy and I, the, the hardest hurdle is going to be just finding the time to do it. Um, other plans, like you said, you read, I don't, I don't, I don't have the energy or time right now to read even 15 minutes a day. I aspire to read more. I don't know when. I, I like literally can't tell you enough how insanely busy I have been recently, which is a good problem to have. Family meetings all the time and get-togethers and dinners and events and work. And this, I'm getting pulled in like 800 directions, and I, I cannot keep myself sane. But uh, every chance I get uh, is going to be film analysis. I just downloaded a bunch of film uh, the other day to start the newest project, which – I, I, I hope I can do like a film analysis video a month. They are so much work. People have no idea. They're like 80 hours of work to make one 12 minute fucking video. So I hope, I hope I can get to it. <laughs> you know, I, I really aspire to do that more. Um, I just, I need, I need patience and grace, honestly. And then like, I'd like to do, I mean, if I have time on top of like film analysis, two jobs, family, uh, a new relationship type thing. I'd like to go camping in my truck, like on the Oregon coast or something, but that feels like a pipe dream. Like, when am I going to find time to make, to go traveling? Like, I have no idea. I, I'm just, I'm living day to day, doing the best I can, trying to enjoy my life, trying to be happy, trying not to live in the past and be sad, trying not to live in the future and be anxious, but just live every day, do the best I can every day I wake up and it's a whole overwhelming ordeal. So those are my plans for the off season, I guess. Um, <laughs> holy shit. That was a lot, but, uh, yeah, sorry to trauma dump on you guys. I got a lot of stuff on my plate, and I'm I'm not, I I am still figuring out how to deal with all of it. Um, Balin writes in. Balin's a Chargers fan. He's been a Chargers fan for so long. We've made fun of him. We felt bad for him. He's been writing in for like years now. Just really sad, sad material. Here's a good thing from Balin. Balin says, "Hello, Zacharoni and Cheese." Two part question today. First, Jim Mother freaking Harbaugh to the Chargers. It has been an absolute. It's been absolute pandemonium in L.A. Uh, sorry, he says in L.A. Chargers landed this week. I know you don't live in L.A., so I'm, I'm confused. You live in Eugene, so I, I can out you. Ha, you've been 
doxxed. Go find Balin and Eugene. You never will. Um, anyway, uh, some people are suddenly thinking we're immediate contenders. I'm a little more realistic. Hiring Jim Harbaugh. Obviously, I think Harbaugh is an incredible hire. But how good do you think it is? I personally think an absolute floor of 8-9 and nine and max selling of 11-6 and six sounds reasonable because Harbaugh just wins and the LA Chargers have a decent, favorable schedule. It just depends on how the roster is handled for the year. You got another question. We'll get to the second part in a moment. Let's talk about Jim Harbaugh. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to be, I mean, I, I look at that division. You got Patrick Mahomes. You've got Sean Payton. But you got Jim Harbaugh and Justin Herbert. That's terrifying. I, I think that it's a home run by far. I think, I think Harbaugh is going to be there like, Frank, Jim Harbaugh is going to be the Chargers head coach as long as he wants. I think he's going to be a huge success. I think I, I could see them making a playoff game next year, like genuinely. I think the Chargers might have made a playoff game with a terrible head coach and Justin Herbert this year. You got a really good roster. You got a lot of talent. You got Herbert is so talented. People have no idea. Like he's a good kid who works really hard. And his physical ability is off the charts. Frankly, do you remember what Harbaugh did with, I'm going to say a name that triggers a lot of people, but do you remember what Jim Harbaugh did with Colin Kaepernick? Herbert's a better athlete than Kaepernick was and got a better arm than Kaepernick did. Herbert's just like an upgrade. He, Herbert, Justin Herbert's the best quarterback Jim Harbaugh's ever had, and he coached Andrew Luck at Stanford. I, I Dude, I, I think that this is going to be a just a home run. I, I think this is going to be an unbelievably successful run between Harbaugh and Justin Herbert. I, I have super high expectations. I think it's realistic, actually, too. Um, maybe not next year. But I don't—look, the Chargers are not going to go 8-9. They're not going to have a losing record next year. Not with a better head coach and a healthy quarterback. There's no way. The only way they go 8-9 next year in L.A. is if, like— Justin Herbert gets hurt week five or something. You know what I mean? I, I just can't imagine them taking a step backward as a franchise. I guess they didn't They didn't even go 8-9 this year. They had a worse record than that, I believe. But they, they were with a healthy Herbert next year. There's no way in the world that Harbaugh doesn't win and have a good year. I, I just really believe that. And I think they're going to win and be good for a long time in L.A. with Herbert and Harbaugh. Balin's got a second part of this question, though. He says, second, after years of trying... This past year, my football-resistant sister finally went to a game with my family, and it finally clicked for her. My sister, she finally gets why all of us football fans are so insane, and she finally wants to learn the sport at a detailed level. I'm going to teach her what I know, which isn't a ton. I'd say my knowledge is like the equivalent of a 200-level class. Maybe a tad more. I'm super excited for it. I'm building lesson plans, but I wanted to know how you would approach teaching the game to a complete novice. Let me just say, first of all, Balin, you did the best thing. The best way to start with football is allowing someone into the culture. Watch a game with them. Don't expect them to know the game. Don't expect them to understand coverages, none of that. Just show them how fun it is to eat good food, drink beer, and watch football with your family, right? That's the number one foundational thing about football that makes it fun is like watching with your friends and enjoying like this the festivities of watching football. So you already got step one down. Here's step two, though, in my opinion. You watch a game with a ton of patience. You, you let her ask a bazillion questions. You are patient. 
you're slow, you answer every question, and you treat it like teaching someone a new game of cards or something, right? I love the game golf. It's a six-card golf is a, a card game. I, as I teach it to my family, you play a round or two, and the first round you're explaining the rules. No one's expecting to win or do well. It's like a practice round. The second round, the second game of, of golf, the card game, you do a little better. You're still asking questions, but you got a better idea. And by the third round of golf, people know what they're doing and they're, they're competing and trying to win. So watch a football game with your sister and be really kind. Be really patient. Answer every question. Don't expect her to know the answers. Treat it like a practice round and just answer everything and let her learn the game. And if you are kind and give positive reinforcement and praise and tell her she's smart and why wow, you're doing such a great job. Oh, my gosh. Give her positive feedback. Make it a positive thing for her. On top of that, have snacks and wings. I think you're going to have a very successful time teaching someone football. Um, and then and then after that, once she knows the rules and has a general idea, if she wants to know more coverages, stuff like that, then you can get into that. But that's something she has to opt into. The general basic knowledge of football is what I would start with. And uh, I think she, she may already know that. She's been to a football game, but I doubt it. And, uh, you know, I just be really patient, be really kind. And the next time you watch football with her, preferably not the Super Bowl, honestly. Maybe watch like the, a UFL game with her or something. But treat it like a practice round where you're just allowing her to ask all kinds of questions. Good, bad, dumb, smart, whatever. There's no bad questions in that scenario. Teach her the game of football with patience, and uh, I think that would succeed. D'Lo writes and says, Hey, Zach. Thanks, as always, for the great content. At the beginning of the year, we got the great news that the Netflix show Quarterback will be returning. Everyone speculated and projected who would be cast and what the best stories will be. Now that we can look back on the year and before the big reveal, which quarterbacks would you like to see in season two of Quarterback on Netflix? Oh, man. Um, who, who, who could it be? I think Lamar, I want to see Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is like just such a stand-up dude. I love him so much. Um, so I hope he's on, on TV because I really like Lamar. I think Lamar Jackson, probably Will Levis, the Tex, uh, the Houston Titans. I said Houston Titans. I'm, I'm all wrong. The Tennessee Titans rookie quarterback is the kind of guy who I think would be comfortable in the spotlight, who is very into self-promotion. So I think Will Levis is an interesting idea. Plus, you want a young rookie quarterback to be part of that process. So you get Will Levis, you get Lamar Jackson, a superstar. Who's more of like a middling veteran we could have on the uh, on the podcast? Maybe Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff on the podcast, on the, uh, the Netflix show. Jared Goff would be really interesting. Because Jared Goff, similar to Kirk Cousins, is kind of a middle-of-the-road quarterback that doesn't get a lot of love. But as you get to know Kirk Cousins on quarterback, you fall in love with him. He's such a great, fun-loving dude. I believe Jared Goff is very similar. Jared Goff is an unbelievable person. The way he donates money, the way he treats people, his charities, all of it. And so to watch Jared Goff on the Netflix show Quarterback getting his humanity highlighted uh, would be really, really cool. And uh, I think that would be an ideal fit for the TV show Quarterback on Netflix. Oh, man. Um, the next question. Deeply Closeted, which I love that name, says, Hey, Zach, in your opinion, when should a team move on from a quarterback? I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I think they should move on from Dak. He can play well, but never when it matters the most. Personally, I think there's enough evidence to conclude he is what he is. Thanks. 
Uh, financially, you're going to get one more year of Dak Prescott regardless. I think when you part ways with a quarterback, it has to be once you feel like you can find a better solution and you're hurting yourself financially, you move on. That's why Denver moved on. They're like, Look, we, we, have, we can't do another year with Russell Wilson. Sean Payton said, I'm not going down because Russell Wilson's not good enough. We're paying him too much money. That's fine. I'm just, I'm calling it. I think you move on from a quarterback when you realize you could do better. And once you realize that the ceiling of your quarterback is not going to go very far, like Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh should be replaced like tomorrow. He's very average as, as an athlete, has done nothing to impress me like as a, he doesn't seem like an overly charismatic leader. He's got an average arm. He's an average athlete, not super accurate, not make great decisions. I can't name one thing about Kenny Pickett that makes me go, that's why you should build around that guy. Nothing. So once you know you can do better, you move on. And I think that's it's literally that simple. Um, can Dallas do better than Dak easily? I actually don't think so. Like, who who could they switch to? Kirk Cousins, make a trade maybe? You're not, you don't have a high draft pick. So I think you don't move on from Dak because you can't replace him easily in Dallas. Or, or, or not, you're not going to find a better quarterback than Dak in the draft or in free agency. So I, I and, and financially, you're, you're locked into Dak Prescott. So I hear you, and maybe they should move on from Dak Prescott, but not this year. Maybe next year after his contract is over in Dallas. Um, oh man, oh man, oh man. Justin writes in and says, hey. And then he says a bunch of Japanese characters. Says, that's how you spell your name in Japanese. I believe you, but I can't, I can't read Japanese. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you mentioned that the Bills Super Bowl window is closed. And with the offseason coming up, it got me thinking about all the other teams out there. Maybe fun to look at some other teams and talk about their Super Bowl windows. Like, is there a team with no window? Are those average teams getting closer or further away and such? What teams are opening their Super Bowl window? So I think the Ravens have a Super Bowl window open, for sure. Ravens. Um, who, who else? Like, I don't love this question. I'm not going to lie. Because it's going to require me to... Really what I need is an internet connection to look at. I need all the team names in front of me, and I don't have internet, which is killing me. I think Buffalo is closing, um, and man, what is happening with this stupid... My, I'm so mad my internet's down. It's really like, it's really, it's impacting my life, and I don't love it. Um, as we look around, I, I got something finally. Um, I don't think Miami's got a Super Bowl window open right now. Who has who like legitimately has a shot at a Super Bowl next year? I think Philly, Detroit, maybe's got a window open. Green Bay, the Packers are going to enter a Super Bowl window soon with a really young, talented roster, a young quarterback, a lot of guys that are cheap, a great head coach. I think Green Bay is a team to watch. Forty um, Niners, the Rams are a team that's about to enter a Super Bowl window again with Matthew Stafford. Um. I, I think that's about it. I, I'm wondered, I wonder if the Jets can maybe make themselves a Super Bowl competitor next year. Um, can the Bengals with Joe Burrow healthy? Probably. But I, I think I successfully answered your question. LA is not there yet, but they're close. I would say the Bengals have a Super Bowl window opening. The Ravens still have a Super Bowl window open. Maybe the Jets can make themselves contenders. Philly's a contender. Uh, Detroit is a contender. Green Bay's about to be a contender. And then the Rams and 49ers obviously still have their Super Bowl window open, as well as Kansas City. So those are my thoughts, and uh, those are teams that have a shot at a Super Bowl eventually. 
But then Justin writes in and, and continues saying, P.S. Thanks for the music rec- recommendations. I always check out the songs you recommend. I wanted to shoot you a few of my own. He says, I remember everything by Zach Bryan. I don't know Zach Bryan very well. A lot of people love him. Haven't really list- listened to much of his music. That's interesting. Uh, Move Bitch by Dan Hennig is interesting. I never heard of that song. I Really Want to Stay at Your House by Rose Walton. Never heard that. Um, Good Thing Go by Quinn92. I love Quinn92. Seen him live a couple times. Fucking love him. He's great. Drew Barrymore by Bryce Vine. Not a new song to me. I know that one. 100 Bad Days by AJR. Love that. But then Peanut Butter Waffles by Ryan Caraveo. Never heard of that song. And that's interesting. PPS. Stay awesome. Justin. Thank you, Justin. Hope you have a great day. I love you. Um, Kenny writes in. Kenny says, hey, Zaddy. Zaddy? Whatever. It's fine. Um, <laughs> quick question. How is DeMar Hamlin on the ballot for comeback player of the year? He has two freaking tackles. I get it. He almost died, but it still shouldn't be about stats and influence on the game. Anyways, thanks. P- uh, Kenny, P.S. I think the Bills-Bengals game should be... I think every Bills-Bengals game should be called the DeMar Hamlin Bowl from now on. This comeback player of the year conversation is getting kind of annoying. Right or wrong, it's going to go to DeMar Hamlin because he died on a football field and he's still alive. It's that simple. It's You like it or not, it doesn't matter. It's That's the deal and that's what's going to happen. Um, got two more left I want to read. Nathan writes in, we'll call this a last question today. Nathan writes, because it's, it's also 10.30 p.m. at night. I've got people upstairs that live here. I don't want to record for hours uh nathan writes and nathan says hey zach i know i'm asking this before any of the conference games but what are your opinions on jared goff and the lions this year i love jared goff but i still think the lions should look for a young quarterback in the upcoming years jared goff has been one of the main pieces of the lions turnaround but even though he's been good he's still very limited i feel like he's kind of that bridge quarterback like gino and baker are right now now the lions make the super bowl then you got to stay with Jared Goff, but if they lose to the Niners and Goff has a chance to win the game, do you start to think maybe a quarterback in the 2025 class could take his place? I'm not saying that just to throw him away, but Jared Goff has limitations and he isn't very young. I would love to hear your thoughts about this, Zach. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Note, I'm not saying they should do this, but Jared Goff has been great, even with a good amount of turnovers. But if you can get a young, cheap quarterback in the draft that you know can be good, why not take a rookie quarterback over a 30-year-old quarterback who might start to regress once Ben Johnson might leave? Here's the answer to your question. I think you draft someone in the second round. I don't love that, though. I think, I think here's the thing. I actually take that back. Detroit has a shot at a Super Bowl next year. They just got to be really smart with who they draft, and you can't waste a draft pick when you already have a quarterback. Use your first-round pick, Use your second round pick and probably your third round pick getting a player who can help you win more games next year. It's a redundant pick if you draft. Like if you can get Bo Nix in the second round, I actually like that pick to to Michigan, uh, to the Detroit Lions, or maybe you get J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan in the second round. I like those ideas. But when you draft a quarterback and draft a position you already have, it's a redundant pick and you're getting, you're not helping yourself get closer to a Super Bowl. You already got a quarterback. Don't waste a draft pick on a, a position you already have filled. So I, I think that, um, I don't think it's worth putting energy into trying to replace Jared Goff right now. Um, maybe a fourth round pick, you know, once you're at that point, you, you got a lot of quarterbacks who, you got a lot of players who are going to not make the roster or not make a huge impact as rookies. But in the first, second, and third round, I think the Lions could get more starters and more players that are contributors to their Super Bowl run next year. So to waste that draft pick on a quarterback would be um, a mistake. 
in my opinion. Guys, we did it. We made it through uh, episode 629. Hope you have a great day. I love you. Um, Write in on Patreon next week with Super Bowl-related questions. I want to hear about your snacks. Who are you watching with? What's your dream setup for a Super Bowl? Um, That's all I got for today, though, guys. It's been a long day. I've been up since 4 a.m. It's now 10.37. Going to be another long day tomorrow. I love you. I appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.